Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, you know, folks, the tennis podcast has been in existence for coming up to 10 years, and we've produced coming up towards 900 episodes of it. And the idea of it is to talk to each other, myself, David Law, Matt Roberts, and Catherine Whitaker, who's not with us tonight because she's she's getting some sleep ahead of uh, her TV presenting duties tomorrow, and we will be back together all very soon. But the idea of the podcast is for us all to talk about what's gone on in the tennis each day and react to it and look ahead to what's coming next. Well, I don't quite know how we're going to do that tonight, Matt, because for the first time in those nearly 10 years of doing this, I don't know what to say about what we've just witnessed from particularly Emma Raducanu, who, who has just reached the final of the US Open in only her second Grand Slam tournament in her entire life. And she's done it as a qualifier, which nobody has ever done before. She's played 18 sets. She's won all 18, none of them closer than 6-4. And she's done it in a manner with tennis that has just left me breathless. I just can't, I can't believe what I've witnessed and she's going to play an all teenage final against Leila Fernandez who in, in her own right has just played jaw-dropping tennis and shown guts and determination and tenacity and fighting spirit and defiance and brilliance and I feel giddy I feel absolutely I feel giddy on it all and it's uh, it's it's simultaneously wonderful and exhausting and overwhelming. Can you do any better? <laughs> well, like you, I am absolutely buzzing after what I've just witnessed tonight. And I hope that comes across as I try to keep my voice down and not wake Catherine up from her very important sleep. Um, she's gutted. She can't be on. She really is. And... The last thing she said to me is, well, actually, I don't know what I would have said anyway, because how can you say anything about what we've just watched? Um, I was so amped for this day. I, I woke up this morning 
with real excitement about it, actually, because I remembered last year's US Open women's semi-final night and how great that was. And I said to Catherine, this US Open has surpassed last year's US Open sort of all the way as an experience, as a tournament. But I do wonder whether it can live up to last year's women's semi-final night because that was truly special. And maybe it didn't sort of quality-wise, but it ran it close. And story-wise, it has lived up to it. Hell yes. <laughs> as, as you say, how are we supposed to convey what's happened? Perhaps we can convey the feeling of what's happened. I mean, the specifics are a little bit of a blur. Um, the whole evening I was just going, oh, my God, no way. What is going on? How is this happening? Yeah, my, my mind has been blown. I think the two teenagers have been the story of the tournament in so many ways. But I didn't. I didn't actually think they would get to the final. It was a it was a bit of a joke on Monday, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, and now it's here. It is. I just can't even begin to fathom it. Um, it's you know we're watching history in real time, and that is very very thrilling. And they're just so bloody likable, both of them, aren't they? And oh, they just the make best. me feel happy to be alive really and happy to be able to watch it and talk about it and I commentated on Radicanu tonight getting over the line and the look on their faces when they do it it's sport is many things and it can be heartbreaking and it can be trying and it can also be joyous and uplifting and and everything every every human emotion it can draw from you and the two of them just are everything that you want sport to be i think um and they've just given the sport such an enormous shot in the arm just such an a feeling of joy and goodwill and and hope really um i feel very emotional about it all really it's just um it's been such a special night i mean i think it's probably compounded by the fact that it's 5:50 a.m. Um, we haven't been to bed but um you know we often talk about wanting the whole world to know about tennis because it's such a great sport and i feel like so many more people will know about tennis as a result of today that they will have tuned in to find out about how emma radicani got on and they'll have seen the front pages that will be um, everywhere in the UK at the moment because of what she's doing and that she'll be on the front. She led the Five Live News this morning, straight after we finished commentating at, at 5am. I know it's 5am, but she's leading the news bulletin right now. And in Canada, it'll be exactly the same. I know how much they've taken her to their hearts. And I love that. Yeah. And even for those of us who already love tennis and know about tennis we're discovering new things this tournament i put a tweet out along the lines of you know we talk a lot about tennis we spend our lives thinking about tennis and you feel like you know a little bit what's going on you have a bit of a grasp we do a preview show we talk about contenders we talk about what might happen we speculate and then a tournament like this comes along and stories like Leila Fernandez's and Emma Raducanu's come along and you realise 
you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea what this sport is going to throw up next. And that is what makes it so, so special. Um, yeah, I'm really emotional about tonight as well. And and just as you were saying, you know, sport about winners and losers as well. The stories of Irina Sabalenka and Maria Sakkari are also a big part of tonight and are important and I'm sure we'll get to them obviously we're gonna focus on the winners but you know you're right losing is is a part of it as well and that was that all added to the emotion of it I think Mm, tonight totally because I mean just quickly to deal with them it may never happen for them they may never reach a Grand Slam final they may never win a Grand Slam title this may be the closest they ever get I know that Maria Sakkari's been closer because she had a match point and probably Sabalenka was closer. I don't know. I mean, Sabalenka lost 6-4 in the third. Um, but that is the the crossroads of sport, isn't it? I I think that they can still come again. They're both young. They're both playing incredibly good tennis. They're both f- so motivated and fierce and dedicated to their sport. Um, so I they'll come again, whether... Whether this will do them some damage in terms of the scar tissue element that we often talk about, I think that that's a, a very real possibility, and it could get harder in that way. I mean, the, the 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 flip side to theirs is what we've seen from their their opponents today. These fresh, um, undamaged individuals who just don't have any bad memories to to inhibit mm. them and stop them and derail them and they've just gone and pushed the doors open and gone right through them um look let's let's take the two matches in turn shall we because i think i think the actual tennis matches themselves warrant discussion mm-hmm. and uh leila fernandez against Serena sabalenka the scoreline is seven six four six six four to fernandez and yet that doesn't tell the st- the stories of the undulations, even in that first set, because the first set was was so interesting. The the way they both came out, you know, that right from the the pre tournament pre match interviews, a rare example of interesting pre match interviews for me because Fernandez and Raducanu had just never done them before, and uh, the way they approached them. But Sabalenka came out to seek and destroy. Is that fair? Completely fair. It was astonishing how well she started the match. She'd hit nine winners and zero unforced errors through the first three games and was three love up. She was also 4-1 up and she was in complete control, seemingly, of her own game and of herself. And it was just the perfect start from her. And Fernandez couldn't really get in it. You know, she was... She was doing what she could, but it was all on Sabalenka's racket for those first few games of the match. And then, honestly, her level dropped dramatically. And Fernandez hung around. She was tenacious. She was resilient. And she made it a match. Um, she got the break back. And from that point on, it was fraught, really, for Sabalenka from right from there to the finish line. Um I sort of ended up wondering who was Sabalenka's bigger opponent today? Was it Leila Fernandez or was it herself? And that's very interesting because 
I, I didn't commentate on that match. I, I tried to watch as much of it as I could. But that that sense of what happened to Sabalenka, I find very interesting from you. Do you not agree? No, I, I think, I'd, I mean, that makes sense when mm. you say it. Um, but it, it only adds to my feeling that she has a bigger problem now. Right, yeah, so ex- exactly. I just think Leila Fernandez did so many brilliant things in this tennis match, and I really don't want to take away from her, you know, right from the moment she walked onto court with that, smile on her face as though she was embracing the moment and then she walked around the court with that sort of trademark purpose of hers and really barely put a foot wrong in the match played incredibly solid tennis one bad game to lose the second set um she's been the real favorite of the new york crowd in this tournament they have really taken to her with her close matches that she's had and her matches have had the best atmospheres, I think, in a tournament of great atmospheres. Um, and there was a moment where Sabalenka tried to get the crowd on side. And the very next point, Leila Fernandez hit a drop shot and then did her orchestrating of the crowd as if to say, no, no, this crowd are, is mine and they are going to stay with me. And that audacity for a 19-year-old, I just love. Um, and, you know, she had these occasional grins and these smirks. She was she was living the moment. She was feeling it, and and that came through. And her tennis was brilliant. But ultimately, I do think the answer to my question whether her whether Sabalenka's biggest opponent tonight was herself or Fernandez is Sabalenka herself. I do believe this match was on her racket, despite all those great things Fernandez was was doing. Sabalenka, she was making so many errors early on in in rallies and. What was weird was that she was actually winning the longer points. So if she was staying in the point and building the point, she tended to win it. That's fascinating. She, once she built up a rhythm of three or four shots in a rally, she was fine. But she was so, I think, anxious and stressed by the occasion and by the moment that most of the time her instinct was to go for it straight away. Mm. And she just made a catalogue of errors. Do you think that's the DNA from the past coming and yeah. dominating? Because she's tried to sort of train herself out of that to some degree the last year, hasn't she? Yeah, and I really thought she was making progress with regards to bringing in her margin for error and winning when she's not at her best. But, you know, this was a trademark Sabalenka performance that we've seen, as you said, in the past in these in these matches where... She goes for it, and that is admirable in many ways. You know, stubbornness is a very interesting quality in sport. It can be a tremendous positive. It can be like a trust and a belief in yourself. But if you're stubborn when the game plan is wrong, it can be a big negative as well. And, yeah, you just you just think she was affected by nerves. And, you know, I think the most stark example was the final game of the match um, where she hit back-to-back double faults in the in the middle two points and on the first point and the last point she got her serve in Fernandez made a return and she hit an error on the first ball of the rally um and you know it was a horror show really of a final game and I felt for her I really did because you know in her press conference she admitted all of this she she knows all of this and isn't that just the power of sport and the moment that yes she knows this but she couldn't do anything about it but did fernandez force this 
did she, in her actions, lead to this? Because one thing I love about her is the way she retaliates. Mm. Somebody comes at her and she retaliates. <laughs> I mean, and, and she retaliates viciously in her own sweet little way. Mm. Uh, I mean, she's, you know, it's it's hard to reconcile her demeanor with the way she plays, the ferocious way she plays. And I, I mean, I absolutely love that. I love that about her, that she comes for you and and she doesn't question herself for a second. Um, I mean, both these two victors tonight have extraordinary self-belief but i think it's different it's differently um displayed and the and it works differently it comes from a different place i think that leila fernandez is is, comes from an absolutely ferocious desire to compete and to take you on and take you out and uh, as if she's always been maybe the smaller girl in the pack and she's had to fight for everything she's had been able to get. Um, Radicanus comes from, I think, a different set of qualities, just a, a skill set that is more or less without peer. And, and therefore, well, why wouldn't I be able to hit this screaming winner down the line any time I feel like it? <laughs> um, and for Fernandez, I, I just have such respect for her 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 attitude and her approach to the sport but when you line up the wins over Osaka in three sets over Kerber in three sets over Svitolina hard fought and now this against Sabalenka when you know Sabalenka is the most intimidating player in the sport right now who is coming to get you coming to destroy and she's this she's half her size and she's just stood there saying, "Come on then, let's have it. I'm, I'm right up for it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I I completely agree with you. I think that's a really fascinating breakdown of of the difference between Raducanu and Fernandez. And absolutely, Fernandez played a part in this, of course, with her her tenacity from the baseline, her refusal to give in her fight and also her tennis you know she she occasionally put Sabalenka in some awkward spots she got some great returns into play particularly towards the latter stages of the match she started reading it um there were a few times where she used the slice to draw Sabalenka in or just to take her out wide a little bit there were loads and loads of things she did well and she has won as you said so many tight matches in this tournament that she's got extra belief from that and also she's clearly doing something in all of those matches to win them I just think the difference with this one is Sabalenka did have the game to win it I I think Osaka okay she served for the match but in that third set Fernandez was actually the better player she was the one hitting the winners dictating and then Kerber and Svitolina were I mean they just they couldn't be more different from Sabalenka they don't have that firepower and I think firepower is what you need to, to get through Fernandez, to get past her. And I maintain it was on Sabalenka's racket. And part of that was the moment and the pressure getting to Sabalenka. And part of it was what Fernandez was doing to disrupt and disturb. And just, yeah, I mean, she's a star. She is an absolute star. Oh, well, it was a, it was a real thrill. And do you know what? 
I mean, look, I, I need to, 20 minutes in, hold my hand up and and acknowledge how wrong I got it in our show yesterday about what I thought would happen. I thought Sabalenka would find a way to beat Fernandez in this match. I think that's what I thought. And I absolutely thought that Zachary would beat Radicano. I said that on the podcast. I thought her relentlessness, her her experience, her her age, her her, her physical presence mm-hmm. would just come to bear on the match and that she would just overwhelm Raducanu. That's what I thought, and I said that. And I thought the same. Um, and I got it so wrong. And, I mean, it's really interesting how, how honestly, at the end of the Fernandez match, I started to doubt that prediction because I started to think, hold on, I'm giving too much credit to the experience here and I'm forgetting about the youth, the freshness, the the why can't I aspect yes. of, of of these young players. Fernandez shouldn't be winning these matches, really. When you line up her skill set against the, the four players she's beaten, maybe Svitolina I would back her to, to beat um five or six times out of ten. But the others, no, I wouldn't. I would have thought she would be overmatched. And she is it's mind over matter in some regards what she's achieving um and so at the end of that i did start to remember some of the things that radikan has been doing to all of these other players all albeit inferior players to maria sakari but she has this almost supernatural kind of ability does radikan she does things that don't feel human at times I, I can't, I can't, all these years that we've been watching tennis, <laughs> and I can't quite believe what I'm watching with her. Me neither. Uh, yeah, if you're that good, your past experience doesn't matter, does it? And yet that is what we've got to go on when we think about these matches and what we've seen from Sakari in this tournament and in the past. And yet... I think she tried to make it a physical match. Yeah. And yet it just didn't work because Radicanu is so smooth and so efficient and so good that she just managed to impose her own style on the match and make it her own match. Um, I thought she started a lot better than she has done in her previous matches. Yeah. On well, she held immediately, didn't she? Didn't she go four love up? She went five love up. Five, I mean, of course she did. Went five love up. She went on a Radicanu run. That is now a thing. If somebody yeah. goes on a five games without conceding run, it's a Radicanu run. Yeah, absolutely. Stamp it. It, it is hers. Um, she saved two break points in the first game. And yet I thought she was playing really well. It was, it was a good hold. And then she goes on this run. And what she was doing was winning all of the big points. It was it was quite close. A lot of the games were close, and I think Sakari lots of had break s- points. I think she had seven break points within those first few games of the match, and yet Radicanu, with her trademark poise and composure, won them all, and just played better when it mattered. And that is such a defining feature of great players to be able to do that in those key moments. Um, Sakari's serve has been talked about all tournament, has been brilliant all tournament, and yet 
it met its match in the form of Emma Raducanu's return of serve. The way she threatens on that shot, the way she is able to get in her opponent's service games because of the quality of her return, just makes her dangerous on every game. And I think that's why she goes on these runs, because she's just as good kind of returning as she is serving. Um, so there's kind of nowhere to go against her. Um, it was extraordinary. I, I found it weirdly stressful in a way because so much of me was thinking this this can't be happening. This has to stop <laughs> happening at some point. And yet it never did. Even in the second set when actually there were a couple of moments where she missed a couple and... Sakari managed to hold, get big holds, mm. and twice in commentary on Five Live, I think there was a common, there was a, a service game. I think at three two, when she got the break, but she's she's serving at six one three two, and then six one four three. But I'm saying in commentary, right now we'll find out something else about her. Will the pressure start to tell? Will will she start to get tight? And she immediately, in both games, went 40 love up immediately. Mm. And, and she reeled off seven points in a row from the first point when I said, I think she might feel some pressure now. And it was as yeah. though she, she just, that hadn't even occurred to her that she might yeah. be feeling pressure. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone who has watched tennis, even just a little bit, knows that the game after you've had break points and not taken them, is a tense game and that is a fraught game and is a danger game and you're in danger of losing your serve losing your momentum losing your lead everyone knows that those are the games you circle you bookmark you think okay potential turning point coming here it seems like everyone knows that except Emma Raducanu (laughs) (laughs) because as you said she just held easily every time you thought there might be some pressure here she just held easily, like it was normal. And that is not normal. It was just staggering to witness. Mm. She feels like, and as a player, she feels like this composite of all the best bits of so many other players because she's she's moving around so freely around the court, getting to balls as if it's very little effort required, and then hitting these raking drives down the lines with her forehands and backhands and if if for, for whatever reason she happens to miss one or two which happens about every two sets <laughs> she then just pulls it in and just decides okay I'm going to rally this this point mm. she just and her rally ball is just a wonderful neutral with with the opponent and there's nowhere, there's nowhere to hurt her. There's nowhere to attack her because she's putting it deep. She's putting it deep. She's putting it deep. And then the trigger gets pulled. And, then, and, then, and a couple of times, she even decided to just come into the net and just play a, play a volley and then play a knockoff volley. As though, yeah, yeah that's, that's just another thing I do. I can do that as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, totally. She's so smart, I think, as, as a player. That that really jumps out. And actually, it was interesting to have the contrast with Sabalenka because one of Sabalenka's things is she goes for very small targets with so much pace and power. And what Raducanu does is goes for much bigger targets with pace and power. And 
I don't have confidence when Sabalenka lines up a shot because sort of anything could happen. It could be a winner, and if it is, it's great. But with Raducanu, there's a safety in those shots. There's a there's a confidence that she will make them, and we've seen that all tournament. And I've just kept thinking maybe there is going to be some fragility eventually because of the quality of opponent or because of the occasion, and it just hasn't come. She has crushed everyone. I mean, just the set scores, as you said, have all been overwhelming. It's like it's like Nadal at Roland Garros, her set scores. Which which is what you said if you think back about Iga Swiatek back during her run to the title. Yes, at the at the French Open when she was just beating everybody easily. Yeah, and that and and two matches ago, I said on Five Live, this feels like that. But I didn't think it could last. I know. <laughs> I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> I know, and yet it has. It, she's won nine matches. I mean, you only have to win seven to win a Grand Slam. <laughs> I think, you know, the fact that she's the first qualifier ever to reach a Grand Slam final, male or female. You know, Grand Slams have been happening for a long time. Qualifying has been happening for a long time. The fact it's never happened is basically because it's impossible to do. That is how extraordinary this is. Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, just to give you a couple of stats as well, I was looking this up for our coverage. Um, it took Serena Williams eight Grand Slam tournaments to get to a final. Um, it took Venus four she did it on her US Open debut, but she'd played three other Grand Slam tournaments. It took Andy Murray three and a half years worth um, from turning pro in 2005 to getting to the 2008 US Open final. It took Roger Federer um, five years, I think, um, if you consider he turned pro in 98 and ended up getting to the Wimbledon final in 03. Uh, obviously, there are players like like Rafael Nadal who who played his first French Open the year he won it, um, and look, I'll make it very clear. Just because the big difference is that Emma Raducanu has done it in just two. This is a second Grand Slam tournament ever, which is why it is so jaw dropping to Matt and I. That doesn't mean I I am now saying, oh right, well Emma Raducanu now we would therefore forecast is going to go and win 35 grand slams or something silly <laughs> like that she may never win any she may never win any she may not win this one and she may never win any others but that doesn't change what we're witnessing right now which is astonishing truly truly astonishing and mm. has left us feeling in this um breathless speechless kind of way right now um, yeah, and and I think uh, Monica Seles and Bianca Andreescu share the record for fewest major appearances before winning their first, and that's four, I believe. I, I believe they both won their first slam on their fourth attempt, and you know she hasn't won this one yet, obviously. But as you said, this is Raducanu's second attempt. If if she does it, she will half a record that is, like, really hard to halve because <laughs> it's such a small number. And that's that's really why I, I raise that. It's not to th- pile on expectations for the future. Any, I don't care about any of that. It's just to try to give some perspective as to how 
extraordinary what we're witnessing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't intend to do any sort of preview or prediction of the final in this podcast. Um, we can do that tomorrow, hopefully in the presence of Catherine. Um, she certainly want, has so many thoughts of her own, I'm quite sure, uh, that she wants to share. And um, I do feel like we need 24 hours to try to process this. <laughs> and also we've got um, we've got a bit of some other things to talk about as well in this edition is there anything else you'd like to say about these two matches that you've witnessed tonight Matt before we move on no I I think we've probably said it all for now um it's fascinating to me the different routes that they've taken you know it's it's a similar story in many ways teenagers reaching the final but just as we've touched on Raducanu has barely been dropping games she hasn't dropped sets whereas Fernandez has come through tougher opponents overall um, and in three setters. And I find that contrast really interesting. And, you know, let's not forecast now for the final, but interesting how it plays out based on just just how different their experiences mm. have been at this tournament, yet also very similar. I, yeah. I find that fascinating. Yeah, absolutely right. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Um, just go over a few of the other results that we had today because um, these were both night session matches in New York, hence why we're up at 6.18 in the morning having not gone to bed. Um, but during daytime uh, in Britain, uh, certainly evening, and uh, much earlier in the day in New York, they had the doubles, uh, the men's doubles semi-finals, And it's, it's yet more success for Great Britain because... 
there is going to be a guaranteed British player in the men's doubles winning the title because it's going to be Joe Salisbury of Great Britain alongside his American opponent, uh, American partner Rajiv Ram, um, up against Jamie Murray of Great Britain and his Brazilian partner Bruno Suarez. Now, Ram and Salisbury beat uh, Steve Johnson and Sam Querrey seven six six four. They they were superb. Ram and Salisbury absolutely fabulous in that match. I thought uh, Murray and Suarez really interesting contrast in styles in the way that they played against John Pierce and um, Philip Polasek who were big hitters and uh, and they just kind of played classic doubles tennis to to overcome them 6-4 in the third it was it was great to see and and I didn't realize I, I think I'd heard it I had heard that Bruno Suarez had been unwell I knew I knew when he was in um, Tokyo he, he'd traveled to Tokyo and had uh, appendicitis whilst on the plane over there and he landed and had to go straight to surgery and I mean he was really unwell and and so they had no chance to prepare for this tournament whatsoever um, they've come together Bruno's got his young son with him and there were wonderful scenes upon them winning this match of them both giving his son a big hug um, and so yeah a, 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 a cracking final to look forward to and uh, and yeah just some really good doubles on display today Really enjoyed it. Um, so that's those are the highlights uh, from today. We are really preoccupied by those women's singles, of course. Um, we'll just have a, a very quick look ahead to tomorrow, which uh, we'll see the two men's semifinals played. And my word, do they have a lot to live up to after <laughs> tonight. Um, just to give you a rundown of, uh, of what the order of play looks like, it is actually that doubles final of Ram and Salisbury against Murray and Suarez starting things off at 12 o'clock local time, so 5pm in the UK, um, which uh, Catherine will be presenting on Amazon Prime Video. This is all alarmingly soon, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's very soon, very <laughs> soon. In fact, that is let's less see, than twelve hours that's away. That's eleven hours time, and we haven't actually <laughs> gone to bed yet. <laughs> uh, you've still got to edit this. <laughs> oh my word! Um, and then it's um, uh, three o'clock local time, so eight p.m. UK time is Daniel Medvedev against Felix Auger Aliassime of Canada in the first of the men's semi-finals. And the second of them is going to be at midnight UK time, which is 7pm in New York, um, between Novak Djokovic and Alexander Zverev. So those are the two men's semis. On the uh, the Louis Armstrong court, they've got the women's semis, Sam Stoser and Zhang Shui against uh, uh, Alexa Garacci of Chile and Desiree Kravchik of the United States. So uh, that match will take place first at 12 o'clock local time, 5pm UK. And then that's followed by Coco Goff and Katie McNally uh, against uh, Gabriela Dubrovsky uh, and her partner, which is Luisa Stefani, who I'd forgotten the name <laughs> of very briefly there from Brazil, of course, who I've enjoyed watching so much in the doubles over the course of this last year. And so more Joe Salisbury in action alongside Kravchik in the mixed doubles as well. And they're going to face uh, Jess Pagula and Austin Krychek. Um So that's all happening tomorrow. Um, thoughts on winners? Have you got any thoughts on the winners of the men's single semis at this point? I, I mean, I'd be surprised if Ozzy seen beat Medvedev, personally. Yes, I'm 
I'm trying not to be surprised by anything anymore. <laughs> Wonder whether he, he might be inspired by it. Yeah, he might, and you know, he certainly tweeted his congratulations to Leila Fernandez. There's a there's a real connection, I think, between them as much mm. as an age thing. There's you know, they're obviously both from Montreal, and you know, they're fairly close. I think um, they've met once before, haven't they? Which was three years ago, and it was a final set tiebreak, which Medvedev won in Canada, it doesn't feel that relevant to me. They're both such different players, both better players, of course. Um, I have to back Medvedev, you know, I I just do. I, I, I think Felix can hurt him if he's playing well, like he has been. He's He's got weapons. He'd have to play his out absolute top level, I think. And for such a long period of time, it just feels like a mammoth task. Or he'd have to have Medvedev have one of his meltdowns, quite yeah. honestly, where true. he just kind of tailspins. Yeah, very which true. Also, does happen from time to time. Yeah, um, and then in the second one, we didn't really cover the end of Djokovic Berrettini, did we? We were sort of recording through it, um, but it sounds like and it looks like Djokovic hit top gear in those he last did. few. I, sets. I watched the rest of that. And he was frighteningly good in the last three sets. 11 unforced errors in those last three sets combined. Yeah. And he just picked Berrettini apart. Mm. I, yeah. yeah. If, if he's in that form, no one is stopping him. I, I truly believe that. Even Zverev with his serve and his confidence and the fact he beat Djokovic in, in Tokyo just, just a few weeks ago. But... The way Djokovic was looking, the way he was talking, there was there was real intent in his words. Yeah, the he, the, the final question from Patrick McEnroe on the court uh, after he'd been very patient in the interview, it'd been quite a long interview as well. And right at the end, Patrick McEnroe said something about two more to go. And he goes, no, no, not doing this. Uh, next match is all I'm concentrating on. No history, I'm not talking about that. And I just thought, fair enough, you know, He's just not having it. He's not having this anymore now. Right. Got to this point. Now he's ready to play. That's how it came across to me. And yeah. He, look, he's the best player in the world. He's the best player in the world. And he's won the other three for a reason. And if he brings his best, he'll win. Yeah. I agree. And I even thought in that Olympics match, you know, best of three. And it's a totally different ball game, best of five. And Djokovic is the best at it. Mm. So that's all coming up tomorrow. Um, we have really enjoyed today on a level that I think is going to take us a bit of time to come to terms with, to be honest. Um, it's just been a, a real privilege to to experience today's tennis. And, um, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. So... Um, Thank you for um, for listening to us talk about it because I've really enjoyed doing so. Um, we uh, we've been brought to you um, with the help of our lovely mascots, uh, who are for this tournament, Francis the Cat, and for us throughout the year individually, Matt Scouser Mousel, uh, Catherine Zeus, and myself, Rogue. Um, and uh, Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer and also taking us on in the predictions and beating us out of sight. Uh, thanks Catherine a lot, 
is absolutely disgusted that she is not winning the predictions competition. She's having her best ever tournament, and top bloke Chris Albert Lee is keeping her off the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. She's not happy about it. She's the Arena Sabalenka, and he <laughs> sweeps in as Leila Fernandez and just snatches it. Mm. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, do we have any shout-outs, Matt? We have shout-outs for Emily Price. Oh, Emily. Thanks ever so much for your support. I haven't got any silly things to say today. I'm just so <sighs> overwhelmed, and I'm just <laughs> delighted. And thank you very much for your support. We have Paul Singh. Thank you very much, Paul. You're a top bloke. And we have Ishmael Betancourt, or Betancourt, perhaps. Oh, well, I am going to say one silly little thing then. Thank you very much, Ishmael Betancourt. Very much appreciated. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. The surname of the West Bromwich Albion football team manager, the team that I support, is Ishmael. Valerian Ishmael. So, and he's a top bloke. He's a top bloke. You're a top bloke, Ishmael Betancourt. Uh, you're a top bloke, Matt Roberts. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Tennis Podcast. We'll be back with another one tomorrow. Um, and yeah, tennis is great, isn't it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.